want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio outreach of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from the Gospel of Luke called By the Finger of God. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called A Seat at the Table. Let's learn from God's Word together. Well, the relational implications of this verse go in deeper. Seek and you will find. Then it says, knock and it will be opened to you. Knock and it will be opened to you. Some of us have read this verse like it says, knock and the opportunity will be opened to you. Is that what it's saying here? The answer is no. It's saying something much more important. I want to ask you to turn, if you're in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11, turn two chapters to the right to Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at a counterexample from the same book. Luke chapter 13 and verse 22. What does it mean when it says, knock and it will be opened to you? Well, Luke chapter 13 verse 22, it says... And Jesus went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say to you, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. Now if you can picture this situation in your mind, you can see someone coming up to a door and knocking. And then this voice answering from within saying, it's too late. This is a picture of the person who's a non-believer who may have been, they said they were around Jesus. They're like, we were around you. We ate dinner with you. We hung out with you. But they didn't follow Jesus. And now Jesus is saying, now it's too late. Now the door is shut. Now you want relationship now that you're in eternity, but it's too late. Now, if you can see this picture in your mind, you can see the person outside knocking, 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 the desperate tone, the permanent separation, the futile knocking. It's a picture of isolation. Now, this is the counterexample to what Jesus is saying when he says, knock, and it will be opened to you. What he's saying when he says, knock, and it will be opened to you, is he's saying, if you're a believer... When you ask for entrance into the Father's presence, it's going to be open to you. I think if we're honest, many of us can feel stuck in prayers that feel like when we ask, it's simply transactional, even impersonally so. 
I feel like I'm asking God for things, but I don't feel like there's a lot of relationship there. I just, I'm just quickly on my way to work, throwing a prayer over my shoulder. God, please don't let this day be a disaster. Please don't let my kid drop the fly ball in right field. Lord, please help, please. And those are, in a sense, a part of prayer, but a very limited part of prayer. Many times when we're seeking God, God can seem distant, like we can't find a connection with God. How many of us have been in dark, dark seasons of our souls, and it seems like God is so far away? Or maybe you feel like I've been reaching out to God and I feel locked out. If you've, if you've, ever, if you've ever locked your keys in your car, you ever had that moment where you come to the full realization that the keys are on the seat and that the, all the doors are locked, including the trunk? There's no way in. And sometimes our prayers feel locked out. And in the end, we find ourselves asking questions like, is this all there is to prayer? Will prayer ever become something more in my life? And that's why Jesus gave us this verse. The truth of the matter is, if you feel that way and you don't have relationship with Jesus Christ, that is all that your prayer will ever be. All you will ever do is be able to reach out to a God who is distant and hope that he hears you. And in some cases, he may even answer a few of your prayers, but it will always be transactional. It will never be personal. You will always feel like you cannot find the living God. You are locked out in some sense. And the reason for that is, the reason for that is you do not have relationship with him through Jesus Christ. I want us to look together at why Jesus changes prayer quickly for everyone that is following him. The relational aspect of prayer is entirely dependent on Jesus. Maybe you've never seen it that way before. Let's look quickly at four gifts that you have been given by Jesus. These are going to come quickly. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. The apostle John wrote to the believers. He said, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The first of four gifts you've been given is advocacy. When you pray, you're actually not praying to the Father alone. You're joining in the prayer already in process with Jesus. It says that Jesus is our intercessor before the Father. So while you haven't been praying, Jesus has been praying for you. That's a pretty awesome thought. My prayer life might not be very awesome, but I know that his prayer life probably is. Not only do we have advocacy, we have sympathy. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted or tested as we are, and yet without sin. You have an advocate in prayer. You have a Savior who understands everything you're going through in your life. Every temptation, every weight of that temptation, he gets it. They might say, well, well, God knows because God knows everything. God knows how I'm feeling. That's true. That's true. God knows everything. But in Jesus Christ, we have an advocate who not only knows it, but has experienced it. 
And when you're in prayer and you're saying, God, don't you get what this pain is like? Don't you get what it's like to have to suffer? God, don't you see this? Can't you fix this? Keep in mind that you have an advocate with you who knows what it's like to go through suffering alone. Third, Hebrews tells us in the final verse, it says, then let us then draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have access. Never again do we have to wonder, is the door open or is it closed? If I seek God's face, will I find him? Or will I just spend a lot of energy looking in the desert only to come to the conclusion that God was a mirage? I have access to the throne. And then finally it says confidence. It says let us draw near what? With confidence. Now, if you're a businessman and you're making a deal and you're coming, you finally get access to this big CEO and you want to make a deal with him because you think you can offer something that would be helpful to him and he in turn could greatly expand your profitability and you get access into that room. Now, here's the thing. You might come into that room with access, but you don't necessarily have the confidence that he's going to respond the way you want him to respond, Right? But when we come before the heavenly father, because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, we can come into the throne room, not just get in. We come in with boldness, knowing that our father loves us and that he wants to help us. That's the confidence. See, that's the difference that Jesus makes in prayer. Why do these four matter? Why does advocacy, sympathy, accessibility, and confidence matter? Look with me at verse 10. Jesus says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Isn't that what he just said? Like a couple, like, like, like the last verse? Why is Jesus repeating this? The answer is for emphasis. He's saying, no, no, no. Like you ever had your, <laughs> how many parents have had this experience this morning? No, 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 no. Go upstairs and what did I just tell you to do? I told you, go brush your teeth. Now, what did I just say? I don't know. Brush your teeth. So what I'm just telling you is brush your teeth so that when you get upstairs and brush your teeth, you won't have forgotten to brush your teeth before you put your pants on to brush your teeth so that you brush your teeth. And all the moms said? Yeah. God doesn't want us to forget this. Here's why these matter. Here's why these are so, so important. The reason why God wants you to ask in relationship, the reason why God wants you to seek his face, not just for results, the reason why he wants you to knock is because he wants you to realize that you have a seat at the table. You know, when I gave you that imaginary picture of, if only I could just get God to a table and we could sit across from the table and look in, well, you really couldn't look into his eyes, but you know what I'm saying, right? If I could get him to the table and if I could sit down at the table and there was a third chair, the third chair would be Jesus, of course, because he would be my advocate sitting with me while I'm in the conversation. Isn't that awesome? But if I could just sit down across from, from the father and I could begin to tell him because he feels so, di if I could just sit at the table and we could have a conversation, think about how much different, how really different our lives would be. So much more important 
than having a Amazon.God relationship. God wants us to realize that because of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, we have a seat at the table. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. And not just to come into the seat of the table and to say, hey, Heavenly Father, I really need some, I I just need you to help me get enough money to get the bills paid this month or all of those things. Of course, those are important But how many times would we like to come into the presence of God and say, God, do do you understand what I'm going through? How many of us have spent nights at times crying out to God, where are you? I don't care about the rent check. I care that your presence is in my life. You're the living God. Where are you? Okay. Or when our hearts are breaking and somebody stabs us in the back and we're like, God, I don't need paper towels right now. I need you. I need you at the table. I need to see your face. It's the same burden that was on Job's heart. What we really need is to be understood. I need to be able to converse with my heavenly father so that when I'm done praying, I'm in a place of peace. Even if all of my life is a disaster and chaos and war, I can come to my father and I know that in the end he's in complete control and I can talk to him and he can talk to me and he can tell me, listen, son, I got it all under control. I know your life looks like a disaster right now, but it's not how you see it because of one, two, three, four things you didn't know. Think about how much different we would be if we sat at the table with God and just opened up about where we're at and just had a sense of he heard me. He didn't, even, he didn't even say anything. He didn't even do anything. He just listened. How many of us would just like to know that God got the full message delivered with all the weight and emotion of where we're really at so that we could be in a place of belief, be in a place of trust, so that we could be in a place where if you think of Romans chapter 8, 28, a much quoted verse which says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What if I could sit down with God at the table and let him hear my my questions about my purpose in life or about why I'm married or why I'm not married or what to do with the knucklehead that I'm married to or what to do with about my, my areas of confusion or suffering or health issues or just to open up about what is blessing my life, what is giving me so much joy and to know that my father is hearing me and, and listening to my questions and hearing what is breaking my heart and to hear my fears and the temptations that are snagging at me. I'm not talking about temptation like to go off and run away with some other woman or to eat chocolate cake. And by the way, if your wife asks for chocolate cake today, you eat that chocolate cake because God wants you to eat that chocolate cake, okay? Now here's the thing. A lot of the temptation we face is temptation to worry, temptation to complain, temptation to give up on a person, on a relationship. 
You see, temptation is so much bigger, but I want to talk to my father about it so that he can give me answers and engage me and help me to walk through that. Do you hear what I'm saying when I'm talking about seeking God's face in prayer? It's so much more. If I were to sum up this whole two verses, the great promise is this, that I and you and we can lay hold of God in prayer. Like, that's easy, pastor. Thanks for giving me the code. Now I get in. Now I get the access. Now my prayer life will be amazing. It won't be like that. If you know what it means to lay hold of God, sometimes it is an easy prayer. Sometimes it is getting up in the morning and saying, thank you, God, for all that you've done. Thank you, God, for your answers to prayer. But I'm telling you, sometimes it's on the floor, face down, pounding on the God. God, I need answers. God, I need your spirit to come into this relationship and do something that I clearly cannot do. God, I need you to reach into that family's life that is coming apart at the seams, and I need you to change them. There is the laying hold of God that takes your prayer life to an entirely different place. And some of you have experienced that, and some of you that I might as well be speaking French to you. But I'm telling you, if you want to have the prayer that Jesus had, there is something awesome, eternally awesome, in knowing that you can lay hold of God himself. I think of Jesus in the garden. The thing that was burdening Jesus, he knew he was going to the cross. And even at that late time, he asks, Father, could this thing not pass? I know we've been talking about this for a billion years. But is it possible at this last moment that this burden could pass? Now, did God answer his prayer? He did. But he didn't say yes. But Jesus was at the table with his father and he was pleading and he was crying out to him. And I'm going to tell you the biggest part of that prayer wasn't even what Jesus was praying. The biggest part of that prayer is he knew what was coming. He knew he was going to the cross and he knew his father was going to turn his back on him because Jesus would be having the sin of the world on his shoulders. And for a moment in time, the father had to turn his back on the second person of the Trinity and their relationship, which had been tight forever was going to get fuzzy for a little while. And Jesus knew, do you want to know why he was sweating blood? Because he knew that relationship was going to get different for a moment, and he wasn't going to be able to lay hold of his father. But because he went to the cross and suffered for us, that opened the door that we can now lay hold of our heavenly father in a way that we never could. The great promise here is that I can lay hold of God in prayer. To give you maybe just two pictures of what this looks like. Because maybe you're a little bit more of a timid person or you're a little bit more of a laid back person. You're like, well, what does it mean to lay hold of God? What does it mean? I don't want to be, I don't want to be obnoxious before God. And by the way, God can handle obnoxious. He's God. Okay. But I think about this story. I think about my daughter who will sometimes, you know, we, there's a lot of voices at the table and we all have talkative people at our, at our house. If there's only one conversation at the table, that's actually pretty low. There's usually two, sometimes three or four voices all going at the same time. And sometimes there's a need for my daughter when she wants my attention to get up close and grab your face and say, I want M&Ms. Get them. Okay. She's not worried about being too aggressive, is she? She knows that I love her, and she wants M&Ms. Now, I'm not trying to put M&Ms into your theology, okay? So slow down. 
But there is something of that laying hold of and getting God's attention that is perfectly right and perfectly normal. I want to give you another example. Think about this. Uh, in fact, my daughter even asked, I already had it in the notes, but um, uh, she, yesterday she asked me, she said, Dad, can we play hide and go seek? Can we play hide and go seek? Have you ever played hide and go seek with a two or three year old, right? They're like, go hide, daddy. And I'm like, where, right? But the great thing about a two or three year old is that they look in two places. They look behind the couch, they look under the table, and then they give up. And right? And so you could be hiding, you know, behind the bookshelf or something, and, and they'll be like, daddy, where are you? You know, as though like, and in their minds, I might as well be in Congo. How do you, if you've done this, dads, you know what it's like, or moms. What you do then is, you know, they're going, where are you, dad? I can't find you. Where are you? And, and, and then what you do as a dad is you start saying, <clears throat> or you, you bump something and something crashes, right? Right? And then they're like, oh, oh. And, and then they, they, then they come looking, they come looking. Okay. Can I just pause this for a second and say what God might be doing today is this in your life. Because you're saying, God, where are you? And he's saying, I'm right here. Come get me. Come get me. He's not trying to hide from you. He's not trying to get in a place where you can't reach him. He's wanting you and drawing you in relationship to come find him. Now, the greatest part of hide and go seek is that last moment where they come around the corner and they see you. And their eyes brighten up and they throw their hands out. And daddy, I found you. And then in that moment, you sweep them off their feet. And and there's this moment of great joy in the doubt is gone. The lost is gone. The confused is gone. I have you. If I have you, I have everything. And prayer, the picture of prayer is, When I find my heavenly father, when you find your heavenly father, if I have you, I have everything. Yes, I can ask for the M&Ms. Yes, I can ask for all of those things. But that's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is, I have you. And if I have you, I have everything and those things. I get everything if I have you. So here's the question I have for us today. Do you use your seat at the table? I think the thing that must burden the heart of God, not in a legalistic way, how many times does the seat at the table sit empty? Well, we go round and round and worry and worry and suffer and suffer and be discouraged and confused. All the while, the seat at the table is empty because we have not chosen to lay hold of God. In this text, I'll just give you this last thought. When it says ask, when it says seek, when it says knock, these are all imperatives. Jesus is not saying, if you get around to this, do this. He's saying, do this. And because it's a present continuous, he's saying, not only do this, do this all the time. This is to be the lifestyle of a believer. Not that our asking and seeking is just getting louder as though we become the beggar that's more obnoxious. It's us in his presence, more engaging, connecting with him, asking, pleading at times, listening to God, waiting on God, repenting before God, being transformed by God, resting in God, casting our cares onto God, 
Asking for understanding from God. Finding forgiveness in him. Asking him for help to forgive. That's what we do when we ask and we seek and we knock and we're in his presence. Prayer is the relational impulse of the child of God as we navigate this life and prepare for eternity. Are you reveling daily in your seat at the table? God doesn't just want you to know that there's a seat at the table that has your name on it. He wants you to be filled with joy. I want to give you one last verse from the gospel of John chapter 16. In verse 23, it says, Jesus said to his disciples right before he was about to go to the cross, he said, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. It is a prayer that consumes your life and fills you with a joy of I have connected with my heavenly father. I have given him what's on my heart. I have given him my requests and my needs. And now I get to live in his presence in a constant relationship. I have laid hold of my father. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.